Welcome to Your Decisions Matter. This is an interactive podcast about fictional stories that star you, the listener. If you don't know what I mean by interactive, let me put it simply. As you listen, you can make decisions about the story. And to do so, you will need to utilize the skip feature on your app. I recommend setting your skip button to 30 seconds. After hearing about your options, you'll be told how many minutes and seconds to skip to get to the next section. When you hear this sound, you'll know it is time to hit the skip button. When you are ready, listen carefully. Episode 7, Downfall. You have just entered the lobby of Twilight Technologies, a luxury tech company that develops products only a handful of the human population can afford. While most of humanity is tucked away in rundown schools and church buildings, fighting to survive the treacherous environment of the world's decrepit state, this company seems to be thriving on the remaining wealth of the few and the proud. This thought reminds you of why you have stepped foot into this disgusting corporate building at all. You have come to shut it down. You are the assistant director of the Human Health Coalition, the great-grandchild of the former CDC, the Center for Disease Control. You have been sent by your director, Thomas Oman, to investigate the strange readings your satellites have been receiving from the headquarters of Twilight Tech. As you look around the lobby, it almost appears as if you have stepped backward in time to the 21st century. Many busy people bustling about to make it on time for meetings or to grab a cup of coffee. Behind the help desk is a wall-sized antique clock. It seems as if it has been removed from an old clock tower. You continue to look around and find that a security gate divides the main area from the elevators. There are no human bodyguards present, but rather two large x-ray machines made to look like doorways. On either side of this blockade is a small square device with a thumbprint scanner in the center. It seems whether you wish to enter or exit the building, you must prove who you are. Luckily, your trip is anticipated, so when you press your thumb to the scanner, it recognizes you and allows you to walk through the x-ray machine with a soft green light. You are just about to close the distance between you and the elevators when the one nearest you dings. As soon as the doors open, you jump out of the way as a person with a bag over their head is being drugged by their arms and legs, kicking and screaming towards the exit by two men in white lab coats. From underneath the covering, you can make out muffled pleading with the guards, but with no luck at all. The loud footsteps stop at the x-ray machine, and the poor soul tries one last time to break free from the grasp of the guards. As you stare numbingly at the scene, you sense that this person is making eye contact with you and screams at you to see what the company is working on in the labs. But immediately, the once lively body is flung through the x-ray machine. It is in that same second that you realize why there were not any security guards at that entry point. Because as soon as the body enters the artificial doorway, it is disintegrated. The remains turn to dust and flow up into the ventilation shaft. 
You are simultaneously shocked and terrified, so you look back toward the clock behind the help desk. It is now 8.31 a.m., and you have a meeting with Charles Higgins VIII, the CEO of Twilight Tech, scheduled for 9 o'clock. The elevator from which the scene you just witnessed had begun now stands open and waiting for you. Do you decide to take the elevator to the top floor to confront the CEO immediately? Please wait. Or do you decide to investigate the laboratories before your meeting? Please skip ahead five minutes. You are incredulous at what you have just witnessed and filled with fury so there seems to be no sense in poking around in the laboratories like the poor soul who has just disintegrated in front of your very eyes told you to do. Instead, you will take the elevator all the way up to the top floor and give this Charles Higgins a piece of your mind. You enter the empty elevator and aggressively press the button for the 19th floor. An automated voice confirms the floor choice as the doors close. There is no elevator music, mostly because the trip is so swift, one floor per second to be precise. The doors open at the exact second the elevator car comes to a halt, and you just as quickly make your exit. To your left is a wall, so you turn right and see what happens to be an exact replica of the help desk from the first floor. The assistant sitting there even bears a remarkable resemblance to the one that sat at the desk on the first level, right down to the same crimson blouse. You are still approaching the counter when the assistant speaks to you matter-of-factly. Human Health Coalition Representative ID confirmed. Please wait. Mr. Higgins will see you shortly. She then turns her head back to her computer screen, indicating the conversation is over. You look towards Higgins' office door and see that it is secured with the same fingerprint scanner and x-ray machine as you had seen downstairs. You think about barging up to it right now, but worry that if you do, then you very well may be incinerated if you attempt to force your way in. So instead, you take a seat on the Davenport in the waiting area. It is set up much like an old-fashioned sitting room for days long past. It has ornate glass pieces on the end tables, and above a pair of crimson armchairs is a painting of a white horse galloping through the hill country. A simpler time to be sure. The receptionist turns in your direction and states, Mr. Higgins will see you now. Please step forward and enter. And as always, please mind your manners. You stand up. Approach the machine and press your finger against the scanner. The same soft green light glows. You open the door and step into Charles Higgins VIII's office. As you enter, a man in a tightly fit black and white suit approaches you and extends his hand. He carries himself with a peculiar manner of dignity and pride that seems quite odd to you. You must be Thomas Omen's compatriot, Charles Higgins VIII, at your service. You smile politely and nod in his direction while your eyes scan the room. The decor of this office matches that of the waiting area, as if it was taken directly out of the late 19th century. 
You explained to Mr. Higgins that you originally arrived here on business for the quarterly inspection, but there is now a more pressing matter, the vaporization of a human being that you personally witnessed just minutes ago. Higgins begins without so much as a stammer. I understand that must have been quite a shock to you, Inspector. But these are very trying times, and there seem to be attempts at espionage lurking around every corner. All I can tell you definitively at this moment is that what you witnessed downstairs was mercy to what dangers could have transpired. You gawk at this man before you, unbelieving in his open confession to having a part in the murder. He takes your silence as a cue to continue. This may sound absurd to you, but there are secrets to the laws of the universe tied very neatly to this company, Inspector, and they mustn't get out or be tampered with. Our lives depend on nothing being changed about the current state of affairs. You cannot hold your tongue nor your anger any longer. You have to do something. Do you decide to threaten the CEO to show you one of his alleged secrets? Please skip ahead 15 minutes. Or do you decide to begin preparations to shut down Twilight Technologies? Please skip ahead 20 minutes. You decide that before making your way up to Hicken's office, you will investigate the labs to fulfill the last wishes of the stranger you just watched die. Perhaps having first-hand sight of what is being developed will give you more leverage when you finish what you came here for. Next to the elevator is a detailed list of each floor. There are labs listed on floors 11 through 16. You decide to start with the first one on floor 11. You enter the empty elevator and hastily press the button for the 11th floor. An automated voice confirms the floor choice as the doors close. You are astounded at the speed of the elevator which seems to move one floor per second. At the precise moment the elevator stops, the doors open and you exit the lift. It is now 8.34 a.m. This lab appears to be one for chemistry. There are various flasks, beakers, and vials filled with different colored liquids lining each desk. You call out a friendly greeting but receive no reply. The floor appears to be deserted at the moment, which is perfect for you. You bring your right hand to the rims of your glasses. You just barely touch them and your frames begin taking dozens of photographs each second. You know that back at the Human Health Coalition headquarters, there is a team analyzing every pixel that your enhanced lenses are sending out. As you walk about the room to provide as much detail as possible, you come across a refrigeration unit with the word SUCCESS printed on the door. No one could blame you for being curious, so you open the door and examine the contents. There seem to be a myriad of completed experiments in this unit, each efficiently labeled. You begin reading them to yourself as you tap the record button on your glasses. Heightened awareness. Lycanthropic permanence. Typographical manifestation. Aerodynamic enhancement. 
elemental domination, pan-zombification, dimensional transition, aquatic communication, electronic telepathy. Before you can continue, you hear the door opening from across the room and loud footsteps entering. There's a very good chance that if you are found in here that you might not come out alive based on what you saw when you arrived. Your only choice is to use one of the vials before you. You randomly grab two of them, one in each hand, and read the labels. Do you decide to take the vial containing lycanthropic permanence? Please wait. Or do you decide to take the vial containing aerodynamic enhancement? Please skip ahead six minutes. As the footsteps draw nearer to you, you quickly ingest the vial which holds the sky blue liquid with the label Lycanthropic Permanence, which you assume means that you will become a werewolf. Hopefully this will give you the strength you need to get out of this laboratory with some resemblance of your life intact. The elixir seems to take effect immediately. Your body has a burning yet powerful sensation soaring through each vein. You let out an agonizing howl of pain as the chemistry and physical state of your body becomes unstable and shifts into something brand new. Unintentionally, you keel over onto your knees, supporting your upper body with your hands on the floor. Your breathing becomes slow and heavy. You are aware that the guards are closing in on you, but you are in too much pain to open your eyes yet. Just then, you let out one last harrowing yelp as the bones of your body let out a sickening crack that echoes throughout the lab. You allow your body to fall limp onto the floor as the footsteps come to a stop just a few feet away as your mind goes dark. Silence and darkness become one for a few seconds, then the overwhelming scent of sweat and fear. You jump up onto your legs and look up at the men before you as you let out a menacing growl. They fumble with their weapons just long enough for you to begin your assault. Swiftly, you pounce upon the three men, tackling the leader and using your hind legs to disarm the other two. You bear down upon this man and allow the saliva to drip from your tongue. Then you bite down on his right shoulder. Immediately, one of the other men steps just slightly too close to you with his left foot, and you extend your new mouth to chomp the foot clean off. You find it surprisingly delicious. Two of the three men now have gone into shock from their loss of blood, and the third man crawls backward against a desk, his eyes scurrying about the room for what he could do to improve his situation. Your ears suddenly perk up to the sound of a new player entering the room. You can see it is a middle-aged man in a tightly fit black and white suit. Charles Higgins VIII. You turn towards the newcomer and snarl. I see that Thomas Omen has sent me his latest lackey. Does he really think he can stop what is coming with this facade of the Human Health Coalition? Mr. Higgins begins taking steps toward you. Now, frightened by his confidence, you begin to back away. I know what he is intending. Thomas forgets that this company, nay, this fellowship, has a sworn duty to protect the events about to unfold, as terrible and gruesome as they may be for the world. 
All will be made right when the caretaker comes home. There's only a little more time left, and then we will be able to welcome a new, safer future. One that, unfortunately, you won't be able to be a part of. Now confused, you cease moving away. Higgins nods towards the floor below you. You have stepped into a dark circle on the floor. Higgins kneels down in front of you and removes a pocket watch. He presses the notch on the side to open it and simultaneously the dark circle lying beneath you glows a light blue color. You find that you cannot exit the circle now and there appear to be numbers illuminating clockwise around the edge. Clockwise, you think again to yourself. When you arrive in the 21st century, you may not remember anything about ever being a human. But what I do know is that you will have a role in what is supposed to happen somewhere in the past. History repeats itself, my friend. Rely on your new instincts, and you'll be fine, you old dog. Goodbye now. A bright light envelops your vision one second, and the next you are sitting in a nearly empty parking lot somewhere totally unfamiliar to you. At the other end of the parking lot is a 1964 black Mustang and a teenage boy who seems like he's being beaten to death by an older man. Almost instinctively, you race over, and with your teeth, you throw the man off the boy. You bark menacingly, but the man isn't thwarted by you. He manages to kick you out of the way with his left foot, but you come back again to attack. This time, when he lifts the same foot, you maneuver your mouth in its way and bite down with full force, snapping it from his leg. As the man now lies screaming and bleeding out on the ground, you help the boy up. He leans over the body of the man, spits on him, and lifts the car keys from the man's pocket. Thank you, the boy says with both relief and fear in his voice. My name is Tiberius Graves. Would you like to come home with me? You have reached the first ending of our story today. Please return to the beginning if you wish to try a new ending. As the footsteps draw nearer to you, you quickly ingest the vial which holds the white liquid with the label Aerodynamic Enhancement, which you assume means that you will be able to fly out of the small window at the other end of the lab. Hopefully this will get you out of this laboratory with some resemblance of your life intact. The elixir seems to take effect instantaneously. Your body experiences a numbing yet invigorating sensation soaring through each vein. Unwillingly, your lungs let out a painful squawking noise and you begin to writhe in pain as the DNA and bones in your body transition. Your facial nerves and muscles feel as though they are melting for what feels like an eternity until something firm is pressed against your face. You open your eyes to realize that your nose seems much larger now and lower than it should have been, and it seems to have a bold yellow tint to it. When you open your mouth to take a breath, you realize what has happened. Your nose and mouth have become one. You now have a beak. 
As you struggle to deal with this new reality, glass shatters on the floor on either side of you. You turn your head back and forth to see that you have gained a pair of very large wings. You are no longer entirely human. You have become some sort of avian humanoid. Part bird, part human. You now hear the sound of assault rifles being raised from behind you. You slowly turn around to face your new enemies. The leader in the center speaks. You had to go ahead and try one out for yourself, didn't you? That's just like you people. We're going to have to ask you to step down and let us escort you out of here peacefully. If you attempt to fight back, you'll leave us no choice but to use whatever means necessary. You feign considering the request, but then without warning you run at a full sprint towards the small group of men. You manage to knock two of the men off their feet with your wings as you brush past them. The leader begins taking shots in your direction. One of them makes contact with your left arm, but you continue sprinting. You brace yourself for the leap out of the window by extending your arms out forward, hoping that this will be enough to break the glass. Thankfully, it is. You spend the first ten seconds falling perilously toward the ground. Then you close your eyes and calm your fears. You allow your new animal instincts to take over. In the next second, you cease falling and begin flying through the air. You continue soaring until you reach the top floor of the building. Inside the window, you can see a man in a tightly fit black and white suit. To your disappointment, he does not seem surprised to see you. In fact, he seems to press a button on the wall, which lowers the window. You are now face to face with Charles Higgins VIII. Well done, Assistant Director. You seem to have found something useful to your cause. But what will you do with your new abilities? Will you really fly home to Thomas Omen, your precious director? By doing that, you'll be no more than his new carrier pigeon. Omen doesn't want a pet bird. I know what you came here for. You came to shut down Twilight Technologies so that your director could take over our projects. He would look like the saint who saved the world from an evil corporation. But what you don't understand is that Omen, he is the one who wants the world to stay this way. He wouldn't use our technology for good or healing humanity. The Human Health Coalition is nothing more than a facade, a mirage that he has invented for the remaining government to see as their only hope. But that is why this company exists, to counter every move that Omen makes. I assure you, if you fly away from here, you won't live to see another day. That man has no rule book. For a moment, you actually consider the words from Mr. Higgins as you flap your wings swiftly, keeping you in the same position and allowing you to maintain eye contact with him. You begin to open your beak to speak, but an electric shock in your skull diverts your attention. Then you hear the sinister voice of Thomas Omen, as if he was whispering directly into your ear. I can see you're thinking about taking Charles's offer. I can't keep someone so easily swayed by his winds of change around here. If you 
only had been more strong-willed, you wouldn't have to endure such a downfall. Consider yourself fired. Another shock surges through your body. Higgins stares out at you helplessly, horrified at what he is witnessing. And then your body and wings go limp as you plummet headfirst 19 stories towards the ground. You have reached the second ending of our story today. Please return to the beginning if you wish to try a new ending. You lean in closely to Higgins, and in the most intimidating whisper you can muster, you make it plain that as part of the Human Health Coalition, when you walk out of this building, that he will have no control over the current state of affairs, as he puts it. You will have the entire company shut down if he does not provide you with one excellent reason for why you shouldn't. The threat must have worked because he clears his throat and presses a button on his desk to open a secret door behind the ancient oak bookshelf on the opposite side of the room. As you walk past the bookshelf, you notice a black and white photograph of two keys sitting in an open desk drawer, but you don't have more time than that to ponder on it before you are walking through a brightly lit white hallway towards an elevator. Higgins steps into the elevator car and gestures for you to follow. Still fuming, you enter the elevator. Higgins presses the number 13 and exactly 6 seconds later, you arrive. The doors open to a hallway that seems as if it should have been taken out of a museum. There are different objects in glass boxes with descriptive placards. There are 6 boxes three on either side of the hall. You don't bother looking at the boxes, but instead march behind Higgins towards the door at the end of the hall. You have finally arrived inside the laboratory, and there are dozens of scientists working at their tables. Mr. Higgins begins to speak as if he is giving a tour. In this laboratory, our researchers tackle humanity's biggest questions. Is there life on other planets? Is time travel possible? How do you kill a zombie? Will we ever learn to teleport? Are cybernetic enhancements possible to help prolong life? Through our advanced simulations, this team combines imagination and intuition to find these answers, and whatever else they can figure out along the way. Welcome to the future. You seem to marvel at everything you're witnessing and taking in. And if you were honest with yourself, you might have barely contained a squeal of glee at the sight of it all. But unfortunately, you aren't honest with yourself. Or anyone, for that matter. Because you are here for a different mission than to admire all of these high-tech gadgets. Mr. Higgins has just turned his back to you to answer a question which gives you the opportunity to reach inside your inner jacket pocket to remove a porcelain pistol and point it directly at Charles Higgins VIII. 
One of the scientists runs full force in your direction and collides into you at the precise moment you pulled the trigger. Despite this attempt, your shot manages to hit Higgins square in the chest. You haven't had a chance to get your bearings back when you are hoisted up by your arms and drug along the floor towards the elevator. A dark bag you can just barely see through is placed over your head and you now fear you know what is coming to you. You wrestle with your detainers, but with no luck. Thirteen seconds after stepping into the elevator, you are carried out of it. You kick and scream. You plead with the guards to let you scan your fingerprint. Then, for a brief second, you make eye contact with a person standing by the elevator doors, and you scream for them to investigate the laboratories. Just as your body is lifted into the air, you realize that the person you're staring at is you. Before you have time to even take a breath, your body is thrown into the air. Then, you no longer exist, and your remains float up into the ventilation shaft. You have reached the third ending of our story today. Please return to the beginning if you wish to try a new ending. You lean in again to inform Higgins that his heart is like that of a robot, cold and artificial. You make it clear that his company will be shut down before anyone even gets a lunch break. You remove your personal communication device out of your pocket and begin making a phone call as you exit the office without Higgins making any kind of scene. Probably too proud for that sort of thing. The line picks up on the other end of your call as you approach the elevator. It is your boss, the director of the Human Health Coalition, Thomas Omen. Is the job done? You immediately hang up. You've botched it up this time. You had two simple tasks to complete while here, and you failed to complete them by letting your emotions get caught up in this business about the murder downstairs. It's too late now to go barging back into Higgins' office to fulfill the first task. That would be overwhelmingly suspicious and potentially detrimental to you making it out alive. No, instead you will complete the other task that has a higher probability of success. You must steal something from the Enhanced Bioweapons Lab. Now inside the elevator, you recall from the schematics of the building that floors 11 through 16 contain the laboratories. You randomly select floor 11 and arrive there in exactly 8 seconds. When the doors open, you check the time displayed in the elevator. It is 9.07 a.m. As you exit the elevator car, you notice that the scientists have already begun arriving for the day, though no one has so much as looked up at you. When you look to your left, you notice a square-shaped window barely big enough for an average-sized person to fit through, which isn't actually saying much since most of the population is malnourished. 
Moving yourself along, you turn in the opposite direction of the window and lock your gaze upon a refrigeration unit at the other end of the lab. In bold red letters, it has the word SUCCESS written on it. You attempt to make your way as inconspicuous as possible to the unit with friendly head nods and an almost inaudible hey with anyone that happens to make eye contact with you. You make a mental note to try to stop being so socially awkward, especially when engaging in acts of corporate espionage. You finally make it over to the case of successful experiments. The vials inside are various shades and hues of all the colors of the rainbow, but there is one that catches your eye immediately. It is a dark green color with black flecks throughout it. When you are sure no one is looking in your direction, you open the door and grab the container, quickly placing it inside your pocket. You now walk as calmly yet swiftly as you can towards the elevator. You press the button for the lobby and let out a deep sigh of relief. With 11 seconds to yourself, you peek at the label on the vial you stole, which reads, Pan Zombification. Sounds like a wicked biohazard waiting to happen. When this makes it to the president of Earth, Twilight Technologies won't be able to continue their reign of abusing the last of Earth's resources. You replace the vial in your pocket and to your surprise, you successfully exit the building with no trouble. You bring your phone to your ear to call the director back when you hear three gunshots coming from the street. There are screams from people walking around you and they give you disgusted looks. But... Then you realize the looks aren't of disgust, but of horror at what has just happened to you. A black limousine with tinted windows slows to a halt next to where you now lay on your knees on the sidewalk. The rear passenger window rolls down and it is the face of the director, Thomas Omen. I'm disappointed, really. I should have known you just didn't have the brains to complete a couple simple tasks. But some good can still come from all of this. Now, thanks to the bioweapon you just hijacked from Twilight, I'll be able to make it look like they're at fault here, not me. The best part is that you'll be searching for brains until someone puts a bullet in what's left of yours. If you don't know what I mean, check your pocket. Oh, and you're fired, kid. The window rolls up as the limo drives away. You aren't entirely sure what is going on. You check the pocket you had placed the stolen vial in, but find only bits of glass in the strange green and black liquid on your fingers. You keel over as you begin to feel nauseous, both from the gunshot wounds and from the weight of what you are just beginning to realize. Immediately, a half dozen people have surrounded you to check on you, including an EMT crew. One of the nurses begins to brush off the glass from your hand while also coming into contact with the strange chemical. Once you come to your senses, you recoil and suddenly become aggressive. You scream to be left alone, but it is too late. A crowd has now developed around the scene and there are people stepping in the remains of the contents of the vial that had been shot inside your pocket. Quite unintentionally, 
You have just been duped into starting the zombie apocalypse, and you are patient zero. You have reached the fourth and final ending of our story today. Please return to the beginning if you wish to try a new ending. Thank you for listening to Your Decisions Matter. All elements of Your Decisions Matter are produced by me, John Verdon. You can follow along on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for updates on upcoming shows at DecisionsPod. If you like the show, then stop by any of those platforms every week because I post a question about the decisions you may be making in your life. I'd love to hear from all you listeners out there. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. But most importantly, invite a friend to listen to the show along with you. And don't forget, your decisions matter.